This podcast is being published late due to family illness, but I wanted to go back and make sure we had a show for today for completeness of the archive. Coming up on Podcast 1562, haven't mentioned Arrival in a while. They get ready for their van production. Stick around and I'll tell you what I know. Also on the podcast today, Ford's boss talking about those Ford F-150 Lightning price hikes. Nico Rosberg gets his new electric car and we get a sneak peek of the new electric Volvo. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're listening in the world. Welcome to EV News Daily, a trusted source of EV information for Sunday, 14th of August. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. And we'll start with news about Stellantis. That group is considering making EVs in Mexico to build both plug-ins and full electrics as they transform their lineup to meet a surging demand for EVs. The owner of Jeep, Peugeot, Ram and more are thinking about retooling one of their factories in northern Mexico, about 200 miles from the Texas border, according to people familiar with the matter. Stellantis already makes the compact Jeep Compass at their assembly plant there, and they plan to bring electric versions of the Compass to that Mexico plant in 2024. Their plan calls for 75 full electric models by the end of the decade and converting half of their US sales and three quarters of their European sales to pure battery electric vehicles by the end of the decade. And so lots of work to do there. Of course, assembly in North America is going to be very important to access the federal tax credit going forward as well. So I think we're going to see this is the first not even the first, but it's the latest in a long line of vehicle manufacturing being done in in the US, in Canada. And and in order to get that new federal tax credit running all the way through to the 2030s, those vehicles have to be made in North America. Well, Ford's boss, Jim Farley, the CEO, has been addressing the recent Ford F-150 price hikes after announcing some pretty substantial price hikes for the F-150 Lightning. Jim Farley's been responding to concerns on CNBC, and there's been some criticism over those price hikes. But look, everything is getting more expensive. Supply chains, uh, components, even the energy to keep your factories turned on is getting more expensive. But it was a chunky one, $8,500 on some trims. Uh, rising battery material prices as well. Well, the Ford boss said, and I quote, I don't think there's going to be much relief on lithium, cobalt and nickel anytime soon. Uh, telling CNBC that they've announced they're going to be working with CATL, for instance. They're going to bring their lithium-ion phosphate batteries to Ford EVs uh, by the middle of the decade. Ford not alone, by the way, in being forced to raise prices and trying to innovate as well, according to Teslarati.com. They write, Tesla has famously continued to raise prices for every vehicle in their lineup, despite working with battery chemistries and suppliers to decrease costs. I'll pop a link to Teslarati in the show notes so you can read more. Okay, next, let's talk our headline story. And Arrival, I would say best known for their their way their way of going about making EVs, which is micro factories. So rather than building these gigafactories, turning out millions of vehicles on each continent, rather they think micro factories are the way to go. Build the vehicles close to where they'll end up working. Arrival, uh, now gearing up for the start of their electric van production in at least... The first of their micro factories revealing this week they're focused on this model in the near term. Their bus and also the car, which they were doing with Uber, are on the back burner 
for now. The bus was really impressive, actually. Wasn't that in a fully charged video or something I saw? But either way, the company saying those projects will, will require a bigger injection of capital. So Arrival are planning to begin production of their van. Now, their first micro factory is going to be in somewhere called Bista here in the UK. And production will start this quarter, which is great news. Deliveries will begin to their first customer, UPS. So your parcels will be delivered on electric, clean green power in one of these brilliant new Arrival vans. Now, I think it was the fully charged video as well about the Arrival van, which would have been years ago, I guess, even before they went public as a company, that I think I watched it maybe a day or two after they'd, you know, Robert Llewellyn had, had published it, and, and it had like a million views or something. There's huge interest in these vehicles. The van has European whole vehicle type approval now. Got that last spring. Production will be in Charlotte, North Carolina in 2023, but it will begin this year in the UK, this quarter in the UK. Uh, they are losing money, like a lot of startups, uh, about $90 million loss in Q2 as they head towards production, ending the quarter, still with half a billion dollars in cash and cash equivalents. It's very normal for startups to go through that cash burn phase. But crucially, you want to get to making vehicles, see Rivian, see Lucid, but then you need to ramp as quick as possible and to start to stem that huge drain of cash from the bank account. Arrival notes that its 2022 production volume will be lower than previously predicted. And before I recorded, I had a little look at Arrival's share price because it's this isn't a financial podcast, but I wonder how they're doing. It's pretty bad. So that's, and I tell you that because that is obviously how the market is viewing the company. Now, we aren't a financial podcast and we never pretend to understand the the ins and outs uh, of all that, but it's interesting to look at sentiment sometimes because I'm really positive on arrival. The vans look great. They look like a great working environment uh, for the boys and girls who are going to drive them. That's going to be their their office all day, and it looks like it's going to be a, a great place to, to be, and hopefully uh, lots more customers want those vans. And Arrival have many more mini factories or micro factories to build around the world. But let's get the first one up and running, I guess. Now, let's talk about a former Formula One world champion. He won uh, F1 for Mercedes back in the day, but now he'll be driving his Rimats. That would be Nico Rosberg. Now, I told you about the previous video he posted of him on delivery day. Well, it wasn't really delivery day because he had to go to Rimats to collect it. He is the first customer car delivery and they made a great video with the chief exec Marte Rimats and uh, now they go for a drive so go check out the latest video if you have time if you're interested uh, Marte is in the passenger seat alongside someone who is pretty handy behind the wheel uh, they took it out on some mountain roads a few straight line bursts of speed and let's just say you know if you thought Nico Rosberg was going to treat his new electric supercar, hypercar, with kid gloves, you know, it's a couple of million euros, he's going to just treat it carefully. He absolutely doesn't. Um, he thinks that the Navara delivers ridiculous acceleration. He loves the design. He says it feels insane. In track mode, he says it's more instant, and he likes to drive it in track mode. I'll pop a link to topspeed.com in the show notes so you can watch a link to... Uh, I'll give you a link to that video to go and have it. It's a really fascinating um, video. Just actually... Well, I'm talking about it because they start talking about things like Marte Rematz's management style. And, um, of course, these days, Bugatti have bought in and he's now been made 
head of Bugatti and, and what he'll do differently to the previous management. And it's really interesting to hear him talk about the way that he's, you know, 10 years ago was in his garage converting his BMW to electric power. Uh, you know, fast forward 10 years, making these amazing cars, being invested in by the likes of Porsche and Bugatti. And his management style is is very interesting in that everybody who works in the company, whether you are the, you know, answering the phones on reception, you're coming in the evening to clean at the end of the day, everybody should have some stake. Everybody should have an investment, as it were, like a financial benefit. So when the company does well, everyone does well. He talks about how he shouldn't be the best person, the, the highest paid person in the company. He comes across, if this is the real him, and I believe it is, as a really, really, really good guy. Now, let's talk about the next-gen Volvo, the XC90. Now, look, it's not official, but we have had some images come through. Uh, new renderings have been made of these patent images. Now, they show up in forums, first of all, and then someone has a little go at designing what this car could look like. The Volvo XC90. And... Uh, the plot thickens a bit as Motor One say, we found a recent trademark filing from Volvo under the name EXC90. Is it a coincidence that there's a trademark filing for the name EXC90 alongside these patent images all surfacing at the same time? We know that it's going to be all electric. We know it's an EV successor to the Wonderful vehicle, the Volvo XC90. And Volvo CEO, Hakan Samuelson, confirming last year the name would begin with a vowel. What a tease. What a tease. Now, it begins with an E. So we thought Embla. We thought the car would be called the Volvo Embla, moving away from their previous naming conventions. But possibly they haven't decided that, and they're still deciding, you know, do we call it the Embla, or do we just add an E in front of it, the EXC90? What do you prefer, a whole new name or simply adding E to the beginning of a name that people are familiar with? And Volvo fans maybe have had a couple of those. They go back to their dealership and then, oh, here's the electric version. Off you go. The the renderings, must admit, look very XC90-ish. It's very Volvo. The front end, actually, because it's obviously blanked off, it's an EV, no grill, um, I would say looks like a big Hyundai Kona, facelift Kona. Um but a bigger version. It's got that sort of crease along the front. It looks good. I like it. Uh, link to motor1.com in the show notes if you'd like to see those leaked design ideas. Right, coming up on the podcast soon. We'll give our Patreon thanks to everyone who supports the show. And we go electric racing this weekend. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Tesla's Model Y is next in the news uh, with its structural battery from BYD has EU approval. Following up on a story that I gave you yesterday, Tesla Mag has been able to confirm that Tesla will now be making the Model Y in Germany with structural modulus batteries from BYD. The structural battery pack, the blade battery with lithium-ion phosphate chemistry has been given EU approval. According to the pushevs.com blog, the battery will have a 55 kilowatt hour capacity for 440 kilometers of WLTP range. Uh, there is also a 60 kilowatt hour battery from CATL, which goes into the Model Y in China. 
We don't know if Tesla will use the chance to upgrade their vehicles to an 800-volt system, a bit like the BYD SEAL. Now, the BYD SEAL uses the same batteries. Tesla's saying years ago that an 800-volt system is on the cards. It would reduce costs. Of course, all the superchargers, all the supercharging network doesn't run at 800 volts. But um, according to Pedro at Push EVs, if an automaker is serious about mass-producing good electric cars... They should adopt simple 800-volt batteries that are structural, modulless, and easy to repair. And the BYD seal ticks all of those boxes. It is the opposite, if you like, to Tesla's American-made or Austin-made Model Y. That will be made with a structural battery pack that is in no way repairable. If you've been watching the Monroe Live teardown uh, with Corey and the team, those cells are not only packed together, but then completely encased in pink foam. If a cell has broken, there is no chance of you replacing that. That is going to be, that battery pack will be recycled. It will be shredded and uh, entirely recycled. Whereas the BYD technology can be. It is repairable. And Pedro at Push EVs says that it's the difference between um, uh, basically Apple, Apple's way of doing it, which is to seal everything in. And if you've got a problem... Tough. You're buying a new phone, right? Whereas the BYD way of doing it, uh, which is actually their vehicles are repairable. Now, given that BYD is supplying Tesla Germany, it'll be interesting to see how those cars are engineered differently than the ones in Austin. I find it really fascinating to uh, to think about. Now, General Motors announcing a what they call a service program. This is not a recall. GM is not recalling the Hummer uh, because of an issue with the high-voltage battery connector. They're calling it a service program. They are not recalling the vehicles, which will go back to the dealers to have, I think, some... There is a risk of some um, corrosion here on a connector, inviting water to seep into the high-voltage battery pack. So it'll be not recalled, uh, but your vehicle will go back and it'll have the fix applied under the not recall. It's the service program. Uh, the if it, it uh, It's just, a, I think, a dollop of seal needs, needs adding um, to sort that out. Not a recall. It's a service program. And this weekend we go electric racing. Now, I love World Rallycross, and partly it, that is the noise as well, I must admit. You know, I do like... I do drive EVs every day, day day in, day out, but I enjoy watching all forms of uh, motorsport and racing, and part of that sometimes is the noise. But this weekend, World Rallycross goes all electric. The FIA World Rallycross Series, uh, their support series have been electric for a year or two now, and I must admit, it is a different experience when the cars are quiet. Um, the, The series, Rallycross, was invented back in the 60s, specifically for TV. The races are twisty and hilly and short, a few minutes in duration each, perfect for TV. But the cars must be powerful to accelerate, uh, according to Forbes.com. They need huge power and they need huge torque, and that is why going electric is perfect for them. And you can no longer call internal combustions luxury, according to Seth at Electric. He's has been invited to go and drive the Mercedes-Benz EQS. And he says driving the $130,000 car showed him that one thing was for certain, that electric propulsion takes luxury to a new level. In fact, anything that's not electric, he would be hesitant to even call a luxury car. Wow. Pop a link to Electric in the show notes. You can read his full review. Question of the week takes a break. 
It will return. Hopefully you've had a good week uh, this week. I'm gradually getting a little bit better. Um, our premium partners of the show, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley's EV Review Island YouTube channel, Richard at rsev.co.uk, Octopus Electric Juice, making public charging simple. You get one card, use one map, you have one app. And that's all your charging sorted. And you can book your EV brakes at millbrookcottages.co.uk. What are you waiting for? Get on their website and book in. Thanks to our partners for keeping us on the air, David and Lisa Allen. Thank you, guys. Yuka Kukunen from shift to electriccom Atir Rajiv Narayan, Michael Lumley, and also battery reports for EVs at RecurrentAuto.com. Got to get Recurrent Auto on the show, actually, at some point. They're doing an amazing service for the EV community uh, in terms of battery reports and battery health when you buy an EV. And a quick mention, if my voice holds out. For all of our exec producers, Adam Bruton, Adrian Bond, Alan Shedd, Alex Manahini, Alexander Frank, Anders Hove, Andrea Jefferson, Andrew Luoma, Andy Nancaro and Lillian Cass, Asir Khalid, Bjard Fuchsdijk, Bill Calhoun and Blaine McKinney. Blunderbuss Jones, Brian O'Leary, Brian Thompson, Bruce Bohannon, Chad Lane, Charles Hall, Christopher Bath, Colin Hennessy and Cam Zeevy and Craig Rogers. David Dysart, David Finch, David Partington, David Prescott, DCEV, Ed Cortine, Eddie Regassa, Eric Hansen, and Eru Kuni Nyombi. Hi to Frederick Rovic, Gene Rubin, George Tortorolo, Granson Smith, Henrik Leisner, Ian Wally Watkins, Ian Griffiths, Ian Sear, Jack Oakley, Jacob Kuhn, James Storr, Javier Camelo, Diaz Perez. Hi to Jim Morris, John Schroeder, John Vandervoort, John Who is Bidding and Beardface at Ken TVs, and John Manjack. Hi to Juan Gonzalez, Kester Sandback, Kevin Masson, Lawrence D. Allen, Lee Brown, Luke Cully, Marcel Ward, Marty Young, Matty Yukimo, Mike Winter, Mike Price, uh, Mike Wise, Nathan Gore Brown, and Nathan King. Nathaniel Friedman, Neil E. Roberts from Sussex EVs, Ohad Aston, Paul Stevenson, Pete Brummy, Pete Glass, Pete Gordon, Peter and D. Roberts, and Peter Reiner. Phil Moucher, Philip Troutman, Raj Badwell, Roman Rowledge, Realtor's Choice, Photography, Rene Kimic, Rob from the RS Thinks EV channel on YouTube, Robbie NY, Robert Grace, Ron Fisher, Rupert Mitchell, Saky Payne, Stephen Penn, Steve John, The Plug Seeker, and his EV YouTube channel, Thomas Cook, Thomas J. Tias, Timothy Phillips, and Tyler Voss. Have a good one. See you next week. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.